So as we continue to look at this, Christmas in reverse, what does that mean? We go back to the birth of Christ. And this, this is a, a first point for us to write down. We celebrate Jesus' birth, but we forget about the years of waiting and longing that led to it. We, we always look at things from, okay, that's a moment in our past and everything from the birth of Jesus forward. But what I want us to do today is go back to the birth of Jesus and then put it in reverse and go back all the way to the beginning. When we go into a garden where man sins and we get separated from God and everything becomes broken. And we know that the birth of Christ is about bringing salvation to us. And we often think about that, and this is the first and foremost thing we need to keep in mind. That we need salvation from our sins. And Jesus Christ came into this world to save us from our sins. But there's also times, let's just be honest, that we need salvation. And we long for salvation for some of the things that just are the effects of sin. You know this, I want you to understand this. Because of sin coming into this world, because of the brokenness of this world, we know things now that we were never supposed to know about. That's why it's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We were only supposed to know good. We were only supposed to know the goodness of God. You were never supposed to know what bankruptcy is. You were never supposed to know what it's like to plan a funeral. You were never supposed to know what it's like to be depressed and need antidepressants. That's the effects of sin. That's the effects of God says, I've got a way. And then we say, I want to do it my way. Well, when we say we want to do it our way versus God's way, there are effects. There are problems that come into this world. And yes, Jesus has come to bring about salvation from our sin. But let's just be honest. There are times when we just say, Lord, I want to be saved. I want to be delivered. I want to be set free. I want to be brought through. If it's a season, if it's just a mess in our lives, we want to be brought through. We want to be saved from. We want to be helped out with. We want to be blessed and delivered from the effects of sin. You with me? I think all of us recognize that. Somehow we want to be delivered from that. Imagine what it's like to be Noah. And the world is so wicked that God decides to start over. And we stand around here saying, I can't believe how bad the world has gotten in the last 10 years. Who has said that maybe in the last couple of months? In the last 10 years, this world has just really gotten messed up. And imagine being Noah saying, you know, over the last 115 years, this world has really just gone to pot. And I still got another five years on this ark. How discouraging would that be? But he's longing for deliverance. He's longing for something. Joseph, through the mess that he went through, longing to be delivered. Israel, slaves for, for years, for generations, for 400 years, longing to be delivered. They finally get delivered, and the next thing you know, they're walking around in a wilderness for 40 years. We can go throughout the entire Old Testament, and there's this running theme It's got to be better than this. Now, how many of us in this room right now have had that thought before? It's got to be better than this. In the Old Testament, from from creation to the, the coming of Christ into this world, there was a longing for salvation. Lord, save us. Lord, come and deliver us. Lord, we've messed up again. Get us out of this. Running theme in the Old Testament and lots of, it's got to be better than this. 
And from the moment that Christ came, how many of you have ever said, Lord, save us. Lord, save me. Lord, get me out of this one more time. It's got to be better than this. We go in reverse so that we can understand the power of what Scripture says to us. We're not alone. This idea of waiting and longing and it's got to be better than this, it's been around for generations. We're going to read some Scripture. Ross Mitchell is going to read some passages to us. These will be on the screen. Scripture speaks to this waiting that we are in right now. Psalm 130, verse 5. I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on Him. I've put my hope in His Word. Psalm 6, verses 2 through 4. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 3. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes. Or I will die. That sound familiar in any way? Lord, my heart is sick. Restore some kind of joy. Restore something to my life. I love that last part. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. We're in a waiting period. We're in this period of here we are now. And this is where we want God to take us. This is where we want God to set us free and deliver us to bring about salvation. And we're in this gap, this awful gap of waiting And it seems like such a dry place. And spiritually and emotionally and mentally, we find ourselves just worn out. It wears us down. But the weaker we become, the greater God is able to exert his might and his power and his strength in our lives. We're in the waiting. But hope is on the way. I want us to stand and sing together to this next part of hoping when the waiting wears us down I mean we there's we just lose heart sometimes we lose heart we lose strength we're thinking how in the world am I ever going to make it through but this is the beauty of it the less we can think how am I going to make it through it that gives us opportunity to say how is the Lord going to bring me through this to see him to see his might displayed to see his power gives us hope Waiting is the gap. Hope is knowing that he will get us to the next part, to the next place, to the place of our salvation. Even when salvation doesn't show up how we want it to or when we want it to, that doesn't mean that God doesn't show up. God is doing great things among us. Listen to this from Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. 
and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son. You hear that? There's a running theme. At the right time. Listen to this, Romans 15. And in another place, Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a promise about Jesus, that he will come and rule over everything, that he will come in whatever you're issue is, whatever your problem is, whatever it is that you're longing for, Lord, come and save me. Jesus is greater. He's greater than your grief. He's greater than your financial struggle. He's greater than the struggle in your marriage. He's greater than your sickness. Whatever it is that you feel you need deliverance from, Jesus is greater. He is coming to rule over all of those things. And we have hope. Because in him, what can separate us from the love of God? No loss, no depression, no disease, no enemy, no sin. Nothing can defeat him. So we place our hope in him for salvation. I want to uh, invite Jerry Green up here. Um, This is, today is a day that's very familiar to this church. If you've been around this church for a while. Today is the day that we take up an offering for the Meredith Foundation. It was 19 years ago this month that uh, Jerry and Monica had a little girl named Meredith. And she only lived for a few days. And since then, this church has gathered with this family, surrounded this family, joined with this family uh, to support a ministry we call the the Meredith Foundation. We're going to take up an offering for that in a minute to help support that. But normally Jerry gets up and kind of gives a little introduction but with the theme of today and the the movements of today and the idea of hoping we wanted to do something a little bit different and it's probably not going to be i think i'm on am i not on there you go yeah i'm on now um yeah we talk about this waiting this gap of where you are where you want to be and this gap of being in the hospital wanting so desperately for god to to save your daughter what was that like uh, it was um, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> it was sad. It was um, there was a lot of anxiety. Um, I can remember just all along the way. You know, we were there for nine days, and I can remember. I mean, every year when I get up to do this, those those memories come rushing back, and I and I remember, um, of course. I'm, I was, I'm a man. I was really felt responsible for my wife and her security and our child being healthy and thought I was in charge of all that. And I remember praying a lot about that. And, uh, 
there's one day that really stands out in my mind there, and it was uh, it was the fourth day of Meredith's life. And on, during the day that day, we went and um, planned her funeral because uh, the night before we had gotten um, we were I had a room full of friends, which by the way is what, what always sustains you. Um, and uh, we were at the hospital and. Um, the phone rang and the neonatologist, <laughs> whose name will remain nameless, <laughs> called and said, um, well, your, your child does have this trisomy 18 and uh, she will die in a few days. So I just thought you'd like to know that. Oh, for sure. Because we had been running the test. Thought you'd want to know. Good night. And I thought, <laughs> it's got to be better than this. Mm. You know, it's got to be better than this. So now, knowing what I knew about that, I began to say one of the strangest prayers ever is like make her well or take her now you know because I knew in a few weeks she would start experiencing pain if she was still with us and I turned to Monica and we kind of had to clear the room of I'll I'll just never forget that really surreal moment where I really did think it's got to be better than this you know this idea of, of waiting and going through that and then the prayer this family prayed and many in this church prayed salvation in this moment is spare her life and that's what we asked for and it didn't come that way the Lord did something different but that doesn't mean the Lord didn't come it's like we just said just because salvation doesn't show up when you want it to or how you want it to exactly what you want it to look like doesn't mean that God doesn't show up in those dark dark moments so from that, from that hope that comes from that, how has God taken this very dark time and brought hope from it, brought light from a very dark situation? Well, I, you know, we don't have enough time, but I, I will say, I know one of Monica's most, uh, one of her fondest memories was when the shepherds of this church came and prayed over us. And um, she has that image in her mind forever. Uh, that was a great turning point moment, I thought. And uh, I can remember, oh, I really like being in control of this, John. <laughs> uh, I can remember Alec Jackson coming and telling me, um, there's no way you can understand this now, but God's going to do something great from this. And I don't want to be misunderstood on that. But what God has done is better than me having a healthy child. Wow. Uh, my, my child is with God now. I don't, you know, those of you who have teenagers, it's kind of tough to get them through those teenage years. I don't, for nine days, I could be a great dad and Monica could be a great mom. You know, it's really easy parenting when they're laying right there and all you have to do is tell them you love them. Uh, but, there have been so many blessings um, and you know I prayed I can remember praying when she died that God if you will just give me the strength and give us the know-how and the vehicle or the forum or whatever that we'll make we know this is the work of Satan this is death this is Satan's great weapon but We'll make Satan sorry that this day ever happened if you'll walk with us. And 
from that day, I think we both felt like that God said, you know, you've, you've been faithful. And so we're going to bless this. That doesn't mean pain is gone. It doesn't mean that it's easy every year to do this. But God brings about hope in ways that we don't even expect sometimes. In ways that we don't see coming. And if you're here in a place of darkness and you're in that gap of waiting, this is a testimony that's 19 years old. That God will be with you. God will show up in your darkest times and walk with you through that. We're going to take up an offering now because the Meredith Foundation, you want to briefly des- describe what happens yeah, there? Yeah, we... we um, yeah. There's a little bit of misconception about it. We do spend a lot of the money on uh, for kids to have Christmas that wouldn't have Christmas. And I think a lot of times, you know, I've, I've fought this thing of, you know, there are a lot of organizations out there that do this. But, you know, I, I've been told a lot of times, you know, have this slick presentation with all this. I, I just don't really, I fight the image of of doing what God wants me to do and to be seen of men and that kind of thing. And I just really want to, really don't like to do that. So all I would tell you is all during the year, the Meredith Foundation helps people. And a lot of them are sitting beside you right now, but um, it's really you that does it. Um, I've had parents come up to me and say, this is such a blessing to my children to help you shop. And we can teach them that not everybody has what they have and those kind of things, which is another blessing God has given us through this. It's just, there's just an endless list of ways he's blessed this beyond our wildest imaginations when we, when he gave us this idea 19 years ago. And, but, um, I just feel like if everybody would treat it like if you have children, just buy Christmas for one more child. Uh, just take a child into your family and if you've seen what I've seen you you would I just think you'd be amazed at the blessings God it's it's a life transforming thing you know I always think of Romans 12 too and you know when I when this happened to us Monica had told me there were other people in the world for years but I didn't really know it until then (laughs) and Roman when it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind I was I'm I mean, the last 19 years has transformed me daily. And um, it's, um, it's a great blessing to you to give to other people and um, to give as generously as you can because we do want to be a blessing to these parents in the shopping realm, but we have to have money to shop with. So <laughs> if everybody could just dig as deep as you can and give what you can, we really appreciate it and uh, we'll, we'll put it to good use. And again, you can take a check, make it out to Landmark and Mark for the Merit Foundation. Let's pray together before this offering. Lord, thank you so much for Jerry and Monica and Perry, so many that love them. And Lord, we thank you for this beautiful legacy of Meredith. Uh, She's with you, Lord, but her influence, uh, her presence goes on and on year after year through this. Lord, we want to honor this family We want to honor her memory. We want to honor you, Lord, just for your faithfulness and your presence in a dark time for this family. And uh, Lord, may every gift today, may every dollar, every cent be uh, given in such a way uh, that we recognize your faithfulness and that we get to bless those that are in in need and uh, may not understand what it's like 
to have a loving family like this. So Lord, take this offering and receive it from us and do great things with it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to this from Luke 2. At that, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in, in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her, her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the climax. We've been waiting, we've been hoping, and now we find rest because two things come out. Glory to God. In the highest, above everything else, above anyone else, above everything that we've been putting our hope in thus far, that's failed, that's faded away. Glory to God and peace on earth. Through all of the waiting, through all of the hoping, salvation has come and his name is Jesus And when our hearts ache, it's got to be better than this. Through waiting, through hoping, we rest in Jesus. I want you to understand what's going on. The people of God were looking for salvation in a different way. They had been oppressed by the Roman Empire and they... Throughout their history, they've been thinking, we we need our own kingdom. We need to be in charge. We don't want to be bossed around by anybody. But their rebellion keeps getting them in and out of trouble. So I want you to think about this. The salvation from God, the the salvation that God provided came long after the longing. They've been longing for this forever. And it took a while, but salvation came. It came in the form of a baby rather than the form of a military or political leader. It came in the form of a heavenly kingdom rather than an earthly kingdom that would just end as soon as hearts rebelled again. It came in the form of spiritual and eternal hope and not just hope that would fade. Hope that would last forever. God's salvation may be unexpected, but it's never unintended. 
I want to say that again because I know you're looking. There's cute little kids going up here. What's going on now? God's salvation may be unexpected. It may not look like what we've asked for or what we're longing for, but God will provide. God will provide. God will save. It may not show up when we want it, how we want it, but God's salvation It may be unexpected, but it's never unintended. God has a plan. God has a purpose. He is at work. And wherever you are in your darkness today, God has a plan for that. Waiting is the gap between where we are and where we want God to take us. Hoping is knowing that only, only, only God can get us there. Resting is whether we are here or there, somewhere on the journey. We can rest because a Savior is born. Salvation is coming. He is ruler over everything. His name is Jesus. And we can have peace. We can say in the most difficult times, whatever the circumstances, we can say, all is well. It's got to be better than this. That's the way we came in. But through Jesus, through Jesus, every person in here can just say that. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know what it's going to look like. It may still hurt. But all is well. Through waiting, through hoping, we come to the place through Jesus Christ, we can find ourselves Resting in Him. And we're about to sing an invitation song. It comes down to this. Some of you need salvation. Salvation for the first time. You, you don't know what it's like to be free from sin. And through Jesus Christ, you can be set free. And your eternity secure. If you want to come and... and maybe you don't even know what all that's about. We just want to talk about it, okay? We, we can do that. If you want to put Christ on in baptism today... And be free in Christ. That invitation is open to you. If you have something that we've been talking about today, maybe something we haven't even touched on, and you're thinking, Lord, save me. Get me out of this. I need salvation in this area of my life. We have a a great front row that's waiting for you, and there's lots of people that will surround you and love you. Any way that we can pray for you, any way that we can encourage you today. But today... We sing of God's faithfulness that brings us to this point that whatever it is that we're going through, we can say, all is well. Amen.